Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. On today's episode, we're sharing how to declutter your sewing room so you can have a more productive and less stressful time sewing. We'll also give ideas of what to do with unfinished quilt tops or blocks that have been gifted to you, announce a new quilt along, share what we're loving right now, and do a fun Q&A with designer, fabric weaver, and Instagram personality Matthew Boudreaux of Mr. Domestic. Let's dive in. After a summer of gardening, traveling, and spending days outdoors with the family, it's time to get our sewing rooms organized before the sewing frenzy of the holiday startup. This time of year is a great time to take stock of what you have and find the best solutions for your most used items so that you can sew with no distractions this winter. I'm here with Elizabeth Stumbo, the designer of American Patchwork and Quilting. She also happens to be my organization's soulmate in the office. (laughs) And today we're going to talk through a no-fail plan to confront your quilting room mess and keep it clean. So before we jump in, Elizabeth, why don't you and I just share a little bit about our own kind of sewing room decluttering journeys? Sure, yeah. So um, I've gone back and forth a little bit with having a permanent sewing room and also just having a kitchen table. And right now I'm in kind of back to only having a kitchen table. So my space for storing all my items is kind of contained to an office and I don't have a lot of room for a big stash and I'm not a quilter that has a big stash. So I kind of um, keep everything kind of organized and group it by projects of when I plan on using it and yeah, just have things kind of all labeled and organized in different totes and, and bins. What do you do when you have too many things? So if you buy fabric when you're out and about or get some new products. Yeah, so I think every time I bring something new to my storage areas and I've made some purchases, I kind of take the time to evaluate my stash since it's not that large. I can kind of, as I'm adding new things to it, kind of quickly evaluate what I currently own and group like things together And if I see something that really stands out that I probably won't be getting around to using it, I put it aside for either donating or finding another home for it. Yeah, and I started out my sewing journey pretty similar to Elizabeth. So I was sewing on my dining room table and did not have extra space. So I was used to keeping things very organized and clean and not having too many items. But I recently, in the past year, got a sewing room finally. So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So I have been building my stash. I have finally been able to buy some products that I hadn't been able to before just because I have the room. So I really try to once a year go through everything I have and just make sure it's something I'm going to use. Now that I have more, it's not something that's getting lost in a pile um, that I've forgotten about and just make sure I still love everything. That's the worst when you realize you've just bought something twice because you couldn't find the original. Yeah, I've done that before. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) I think we're all guilty of that. Yeah, so overall, Elizabeth and I are probably pretty minimalist when it comes to our organization styles and how much... you know, things we keep in our room. And we know that's not very common for many quilters. A lot of quilters have a huge stash they've been collecting for years. They're probably saving scraps. They have a lot of tools and multiple machines Mm -hmm. and lots of room to spread out. So, but we really hope that the tips we're giving today can help you kind of just take ownership of your space and really make sure that you're loving every second you spend in your room. Exactly. 
So a couple of tips to get started when you're ready to schedule a clutter cleanse. You can take and just block out 15 to 45 minutes in your calendar and really just go ahead and like schedule that time. So you can really dedicate it and focus on that task. And go ahead and if you know you feel like you'll be better planning it like a little bit at a time, schedule it out for a couple of consecutive days. Or if you're like me, I'd rather just take a whole afternoon and just deep dive into something. So you can really tailor it to how you best work and go ahead and let your family know ahead of time that you'll be busy. And so that that time is set aside for you and you can just be consistent in that decluttering. Yeah, it's a great idea if you're struggling with doing this, that you get it on your own calendar so that you're being held accountable to doing this and that your family kind of has your back when you're doing it and knows not to bother you or you can schedule it around a time when you know the kids will be at school or your husband has you know is out with friends for the night so Mm -hmm. just making sure minimize those distractions exactly so the next thing is to be prepared So dress in your comfiest clothes, put on some music, have a favorite beverage or snack close by. That can really help make it more fun for those of you who hate the organization process. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I love just dressing comfy and blasting some music. Yeah, it'd be a great time to listen to some of our podcast episodes, catch up on those. And I have a specific playlist, actually, I've created for cleaning and decluttering that has really upbeat music to keep me motivated and moving around. So no slow jazz for me at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I feel like I've said this on our podcast before, but it is my favorite thing I've discovered recently is the Libby app. Oh, that's a great app. I love it. Yeah. And it connects with your local library. So you can check out audiobooks. And I've been listening to a ton lately and it kind of just motivates me and the time passes really fast when I'm listening to those. Yeah. Something to look forward to. And next, you're going to want to gather all of your supplies before you start cleaning. So just here are some suggestions to keep close at hand when you get started. So have on hand some permanent markers and index cards so you can quickly make some labels for the piles that you're sorting them or even the boxes. Um, Go ahead and have those boxes and bags ready and at hand so you can, as you're sorting things, go ahead and put them in the correct place. Um, I like to always have a donation box set aside. So as I'm doing different cleaning around the house or in my sewing room specifically, I go ahead and move things directly to that donation box. Also keep on hand some scissors or a utility knife. And so as you approach your sewing space, you really wanna work in a very organized, methodical fashion. So you'll you'll know your space better but it may be you're working left to right in your room it could be from high to low it could be front from back whatever makes sense for your space so don't jump around and try to do you know one area and then another area and don't be creative or clever with your organization kind of pick a methodical method and keep to it because then you know you're not missing any spots and it will just stay very organized while you're organizing Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so while you're going through everything, you want to be testing things and seeing if things are working as you get to them and that, you know, as you're working through things. So operate any tools and machines to see if they work. Are your rotary cutter blades sharp? Are your marking tools working? It's um, a great time to purge all of those things that are kind of had seen better days, you know? Exactly. And you also, if you're a person that likes kits or has a lot of works in progress, you want to make sure that you have all of the pieces to those things, because if you don't, you may want to discard that or put that somewhere else in your room. And then you want to immediately decide 
whether the items you're touching are a keeper or not. Yep. Yeah, it's very important to know what the next steps are. So after you get done sorting things or as you're sorting them, go ahead and put them in the four piles. There's basically four options for you. You you can either try and sell it, you can give it away, you can donate it, or you can recycle or dispose of it. So that kind of simplifies things. So go ahead and label those boxes accordingly. um, So you can go ahead and sort things right into those boxes and you'll know what your next steps are. So they're not just lying around gathering dust. Um, And then I love to go when I'm on my family quilt retreats, we have kind of a community swap table. So I set aside things that I know some people in my family or my quilty friends might love, and I'll either bring them to work to share with my coworkers or share them with family members at our next retreat. And anyone's free to just take things off those tables. And I love that you can see those um, items that maybe weren't right for you, but you can see them being used in quilts by other loved ones and kind of brings back those memories. Yeah, there we have one of these tables in the office that we all use pretty frequently, but it's so funny to see fabric that you may have uh, put down on the table a few years ago and someone took appear back on the table for a swap and you're just like oh man like this is not the fabric for either of us so someone else needs yep, to someone take will it. love it <laughs> um yeah and if you find yourself where you just are kind of torn and you're not exactly sure what to do with this item whether to give it away or keep it um go ahead and just like place it to the side and come back to it don't slow down your process just come back to it maybe save the last five to ten minutes of your session to deal with that pile of questionable items Yeah, we know that decluttering is very emotional for a lot of people. So if you're decluttering items that have these emotional connections, you can have a neutral person hold up the item and ask whether you want to keep it. So without that physical connection of touching the item, you'll kind of have a better state of mind to make a clear-headed decision about whether you want it or not. And because you're deciding whether to keep things or let go, You're picking up these items and asking, should I keep this? If you instantly know something needs to stay or go and you have the space to store it, that's another key. Just go with your gut. You don't have to analyze it. If you love it, you want to keep it. You don't want to get rid of anything you're going to regret later. So pay attention to your immediate reactions to things. Listen to your gut. So if you're having trouble deciding whether to keep something, Elizabeth's going to share some tough questions to ask yourself. Right. So the very first question to ask yourself is, do I love it? Keep anything you truly love. We're not telling you you need to get rid of everything in your in your sewing room. But I think we always will remember that piece of fabric that we gave away that we regret. So if you love it, go ahead and keep it. But be aware that keeping a beloved item may mean you must, you may need to get rid of something else in order to make room for it. The second question is, do I use it? And if so, how often? Keep anything you use and start storing the stuff you use more frequently in the easiest to access places. The third question to ask yourself is, do I have more than one? If you do find yourself having more than one item, go ahead and edit it down to the best one. Of course, having more than one rotary cutter makes sense, but having two of the same triangle template is kind of tough to justify if your space is at a limit. And then the last question is, can I get another? If you suddenly need the item or it miraculously comes back into style, remind yourself that you can usually buy or borrow another one. Great questions. We know we covered a lot of material today, so we're actually going to link to uh, these items we discussed today so that you can spend a little more time with them, read through things, print it off if you need to to have it while you're starting your decluttering journey. And of course, Elizabeth and I 
love talking storage. So if you have any questions or things you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, um, we are available. So just send us an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Now we'll dive into our UFO challenge, a segment where we address common finishing problems so you can complete your UFOs. I'm here with Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, and she's going to share a finishing tip to help you on your journey of crossing those projects off your list. Hi, Doris. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Um, In previous podcasts about UFOs, I've talked about your challenges with getting them finished up and with accountability to help yourself get them finished up. Today is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to talk about other people's UFOs, which you think, why do I care about other people's UFOs? But the reason I've been thinking about it is I'm currently working on a project that a friend of mine left unfinished when she um, unexpectedly passed away a few months ago. So I've been thinking a lot about it. And it's not uncommon to come across pieced quilt tops or orphan blocks at an estate sale or a rummage sale or antique shop, yard sales. You know, I've seen them all over the place and just places I don't expect. Or even um, if your family uh, passes some down. I know exactly, I had yeah. an unfinished quilt top given to me um, from somebody that had one in their family and they wanted right. someone to appreciate it who knew how to quilt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And I've had those given to me too. So we're certainly not the first generation to end up with UFOs. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, whether, whether they abandoned them or ran out of time or whatever. So, um, But I kind of have a weakness for them myself. I like vintage fabrics. So um, especially if I come across something from the first half of the 20th century, um, that usually speaks to me, the 30s and 40s fabrics and feed sacks. Um, And then I also have a weakness for the ones from the 1970s because that reminds me of my childhood (laughs) and the clothing that I wore growing up. But there's a lot of options for finishing these treasures and somewhat depends on the level of finish that the project is when it comes to your possession. If it's a pieced quilt top that's in good shape with seams intact, you can finish it as you would if it were a contemporary piece top that you made yourself. Just choose a backing and either machine quilt it, send it to a long arm quilter, or if it was a hand pieced and you have the time, you can hand quilt it um, to keep the integrity of the original quilt. But that's not necessary, of course, because having it finished and usable, I feel like is always more important than having it done exactly the way that the original maker intended. That's great to hear because I have a 1930s quilt top Mm -hmm. that I was gifted my great 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 grandma I can't remember how many greats but it's the top is done I've cleaned it it's ready to be quilted and I just thought it needed to be hand quilted that I needed to keep that original intention so I haven't touched it in (laughs) how many years because I don't know how to hand quilt (laughs) yeah and you don't have to I mean if you want it to be you know economically you know be a valuable antique that is something that you would sell but likely you're going to keep it and pass it down within your family so having it finished and being able to use it or even hang it and admire it is I think what's most important yeah is to me anyway getting it getting them done so sometimes you might come across one or be handed down one that has some damage to it too and you can determine whether fixing just the seams will help fix your problem or if you need to remove a couple of patches of fabric and replace those with something similar from you know a quilt store or something from your stash that can be done or if it's a large quilt that has several pieces or areas of damage I should say um, you can cut that apart and repurpose it into either smaller quilts or 
um, something like a pillow or a stuffed animal or you know, stockings, there's lots of options. It's not uncommon to come across a bunch of blocks that are assembled um, but never got made into a quilt, whether quilt maker wasn't finished making the number of blocks that she intended or he intended to make or um, just didn't get around to piecing the top. Um, I have some that I bought at a Guild garage sale and they're beautiful. They're perfectly pieced, hand-pieced arcs. They just don't have the pieces sewn on to the sides of the arcs. So I still haven't decided what I'm going to do with it, but um, I may end up just appliquing, hand appliquing, needle turn appliquing the arcs onto a background square and I may get adventurous and cut the curved pieces and <laughs> do the curved piecing. We'll see. It remains <laughs> to be seen. But I'm likely going to finish it up with some big stitch quilting, hand quilting, um, just to keep it the look of the 1930s, 1940s blocks, the fabrics that they are. So Yeah, fun. Yeah. So if you do decide to rescue another quilter's UFO, whether it's a vintage quilt top or the orphan blocks or something made within the last few years, just keep in mind that making it into something finished is really what's important, as we've said. How you finish it is secondary. I think that honoring the quilter that started the project by turning his or her work into something useful and liberating it from the box, the bag, or the drawer in which it was stored as a UFO is really something important to do. And I would want somebody to do that with my unfinished things I leave behind. Thank you so much for sharing that, Doris. So for those who don't know, we have a UFO or unfinished objects challenge online. And on the first of the month, we always announce a new number on your list to work on. So September's number is 12. So to learn more about the UFO challenge, visit allpeoplequilt.com resolution. Now we're going to chat what we're loving, a segment where we share the trend, pattern, product, or person we're loving right now. Doris, what are you loving right now? Well, I just came across this pattern designer. She has an Instagram account. That's where I found her, and then I went to her website. It's FionaSandwich.com, Fiona, F-I-O-N-A. And um, she, what she refers to her patterns as modern illustrated quilts. She does um, English paper piecing and foundation paper piecing patterns really interesting ones. She has right now this summer going on a national park quilt along and probably the reason why it appealed to me is my recent trip to Alaska and she's got a lot of it's like she has a bear block that I kind of fell in love with which is um, an EPP block English paper piece block and um, so the quilt along she was doing was uh, using her blocks and kind of creating your own national park postcard quilt which is really fun so if you want to look it up uh, it's hashtag EPP National Park on Instagram. There's some really fun blocks in there, but she's just really creative. Her name is Rachel. Again, her business is Fiona Sandwich, and I recommend checking it out. It's really fun stuff. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm actually traveling to Yellowstone next week, so I'm, awesome. I'll have to see what she has for that so yeah. I can do some handwork on the way. <laughs> Thanks, Doris. And Elizabeth, what are you loving right now? So I'm loving the newest sashiko threads from Lucian, and they're called Hitamari, which means sunny spot in Japanese. And I had the chance to look at these new thread collection from them um, at Spring Quilt Market in Kansas City, and they're so beautiful and inspiring. Um, if, you're if you're familiar with sashiko, you might know that traditional sashiko features white thread on indigo blue cloth, but this new line of Sashiko threads from Lucian are kind of take the spin on traditional and make it a little bit more modern with some really beautiful 
bright and bold colors. So in addition to their solid and variegated threads, they also have created a new line of speckled sashiko threads, which look like little multicolored dots of ink on their white thread, which are so pretty and cute. Um, and they had great things on display using them, and cute, including like little tassels and some mending on clothing. But I think I'm most excited about using this thread to add some big stitching to my next quilt top. So I'm really excited about those threads. Fun, yeah, they're very beautiful. I particularly love all the yellows. I oh, yeah. uh, definitely grabbed their whole range of yellows for, yeah. I don't know, maybe some big stitch quilting would be fun. Yeah, I'm super excited about them. Thank you. Next, we're doing Ask Us Anything, a segment where we answer your most pressing quilting questions. We have a great question here today that we're excited to answer. The question is from Diane Swanson and was asked in our American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along Facebook group. She says, are you going to have another scrappy quilt quilt along? Well, Diane, we have super exciting news. Our next scrappy quilt along starts in two weeks on September 16th. So our last scrappy quilt along started back in February. It was the So Many Strips quilt from Tara Lynn Baisden. And so many people have been asking for another one. So we decided to pull one together. The pattern is called On the Bright Side. Some people may remember it from our magazine a few years ago. It was in the February 2018 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. And the pattern was by Joe Kramer and Kelly Hankin of Joe's Country Junction. This quilt is big. It's king size and will use even your tiniest scraps. So we really hope that all of our listeners can join us. So for more information, search for the American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along group on Facebook. It's a private group and we'll be posting all the important information there. And if you don't already have the pattern, you can visit our show notes for a 50% off coupon code to buy the On the Bright Side digital pattern in our online store. This quilt along will be 10 weeks long and it ends right before Thanksgiving. It's going to be so much fun. We really hope you all can join and that you've been saving your scraps to use in this quilt. We'll be back after this quick ad break. Welcome to Getting Social with Jess. I'm your host, Jess Ziegler. This week, I get to bring you my conversation with Matthew Boudreau, who is Mr. Domestic. So you can find him literally everywhere. He does so many things. He's on so many social media platforms. You'll find him at or as Mr. Domestic. And his website is mrdomestic.net. Matthew is just such a special one-of-a-kind person, and I think you'll get the sense of that through the interview. He's just joyful, positive, has a can-do spirit and attitude, and I just I love that about him. And I hope you enjoyed the interview. Hi! I'm so excited! You're so awesome! This is such a new venture. I love it. I'm honored to be a part of it. So yay! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, um, but could you give us a very short background of like your personal life, your professional life, your crafting, sewing, quilting life? And in a nutshell, short. Just, I mean, just, I'm just 43. Me <laughs> I'm 43. There's been a lot that's happened. But no, personal... <laughs> 
Um, I'm married, um, and I have a kid. My husband's name is Aurelian. My daughter's name is Helena. She's six. She's amazing. We live in the Pacific Northwest. I work in pharmaceuticals by day. I'm in HIV pharmaceuticals, and I love it. I've always wanted to work in that, so I am super jazzed. And then this crazy Mr. Domestic adventure began about five, six years ago and really took off. Awesome. It started with yeah, it started with me making apparel and then I jumped into quilts just on happenstance and that's when the internet like discovered me and then it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And now I'm a fabric designer, I have patterns, it's like I have a YouTube channel, like all of this wild stuff I never ever like envisioned for myself, but I was prepared for it. So I was able to like move forward anytime an opportunity came. So ta-da. I'm here talking to so, you. I know. You have arrived now. <laughs> yes, I've made it. I have officially made it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Um, one of the reasons, well, I, I really could like talk to you forever. The topic of the podcast today is about sewing room, doing a sewing room cleanse. And of course, like I thought of you right away because you, we have seen your room at all states uh -huh. of neatness, messiness, everything. Yeah. And recently you did a, a vlog series cleaning up and but more more than cleaning up you really dug in and reorganized yep. can you tell me how that came about like if you would have asked me like a year ago would I be on a podcast talking about my organized <laughs> sewing room like never <laughs> like I was that maker that like I had tunnel vision on like what I had to do and I didn't see the mess around me and I knew exactly where everything was so no one could come in my room and move it but I was like I really want to do it I wanted to like I felt like I needed to grow up a little bit and just see and um I had some time off. I have a YouTube channel, so I was trying to come up with some fun content. And uh, I thought on a whim, let me just film my first, like the first couple days of me doing it. And I'll put it out there, see how it goes. I always laugh at myself. I'm like, I'm a 43-year-old businessman doing a vlog. I'm like, cleaning my sewing room. Like, it's so cool. But I did it and like people ate it up. Yes. So I'm super like grateful that I did that kind of like a joke because I don't think that I would have finished had I not been accountable to to the interweb so it's like after I did one then people were like come on what's next what's next so then I would do it and then um, finally people were like begging for the reveal one I was like okay fine I'll finish it I'll finish it. I had like five percent left to do like a okay. lot of the and then I was like let me just clean it up and let me do it and then now it's like I've been enlightened like I I didn't think that it would help me with my workflow and as a maker and as a creator I thought that it would hinder me I always envisioned people who had like super clean sewing spaces that they would be like someone I would never want to go into their sewing room because it would be hard to like mess things up, you know? Yeah. But um, I do mess my room up whenever I'm making stuff. It's just, I know where everything goes now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to put it back and it's crazy. Like I'm even more productive now that I have a cleaning room. So it's, it's really you're cool. you're crazy productive anyway. So that, ah. that's good for all of us, really. Because you share everything you do and bringing everyone along for the ride, which I really like. And so, so it sounds like maybe you got some inspiration from the people who were following you. Did you get any like storage advice or in anything other than encouragement and accountability? I got a lot of like advice after I was done with stuff. Like people would um, give me examples of, of, of stuff that they use that was kind of similar to mine. So it's almost like if you go to the comments of any of my videos that I yeah. have shared things and whatever that arena that I was working on and that because it's a five part series. So whatever I was cleaning during that part, people gave examples there. And then occasionally like I would put in my IG stories and I would like ask people and then I talk about it in my comments on Instagram 
Cam. So there was a little bit of help, but it was kind of one of those things that, um, like, I was very Marie Kondo before, like, she had a Netflix show. <laughs> like, that I needed to know because people could give me advice, but until, like, I took everything off the shelves and out of the drawers and saw it on my floor, I didn't know what I needed. So yes. um, even if there was advice, I didn't let it sink in because it's like, you don't know. We always right. like to buy the, we like to buy the organizational gadgets because it's cute, not really thinking whether it's going to be the right one for us. Mm-hmm. And so the process taught me what I needed by based on what I had. And if I had different stuff, it would be different needs. But it was really, um, really eye-opening, all of it. Hmm. Yeah. Was there any one piece of organization that was like a game changer for you that you introduced that you ha- didn't have before? My, there were a bunch. Really? Like, yeah. For those listening, like my, my final video, I have a blog attached to it where I put, if you can link to it here, like that would yeah, be cool. absolutely. Um, where I put like all of the my favorite organizational things that I discovered along the way. But there were two things that changed my world. One was my Martelli hydraulic cutting table. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> like it, go, it goes up and down. And so I have it at like maximum height. Sure. Uh, and I had never had a dedicated cutting table before. I had always just like, I moved stuff around as I needed it. I had like a sewing machine here, sewing machine there. So that, it just made everything more efficient. Cause it's like, right. I had my sewing, I had my cutting table. I didn't have to move stuff. Oh, so right. That was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Everyone, if you don't have a dedicated cutting, at least cutting space, you need it. And then the second one is kind of weird, but I got these like super strong magnetic strips that I put on the wall that are generally for kitchen knives. Yes. Uh, I have, I have two. Two, one above my cutting table, one above my sewing station where I can put like scissors, pins when I'm using them, like snips, like I put my crochet needles, like everything that is magnetized that would be everywhere on my desk yes. is now there. And I'm like, uh. at, like light bulb exploding. Yeah. Like, it, it changed everything because it's like those things you can never find. And that's why you own right. like five or six of them. Like some of yep. those <laughs> <laughs> and it's those really powerful magnets that you don't, you don't even have to be careful in placing them. You can just slap it up there and it stays. Yeah, I did research and I found the strongest one with the best reviews. And so that's the one that's in that blog that people okay. can, and they're affordable. It, like it wasn't, awesome. it wasn't, it was like 10 bucks, I think. So cool. So I guess, is it okay to ask, have you kept up on it? Mostly. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not at the hundred percent. It's yeah. probably at 95%. That's like um, there's a constant flow of, of new stuff coming to me. Like I'm so grateful grateful for all my partnerships but um sometimes it becomes overwhelming because I have a lot of stuff that like is mailed you understand and then um but it's like I have to to first in first out cycle out stuff do giveaways to get rid of stuff um so it's like once I have I have this one spot in my room where like I put stuff like that once that gets a little too high then it's like okay it's time to do some giveaways get rid of some stuff so I can find a place for it so that's I guess it's part of my system I should probably come up with a neater more tidy way to um if it works exactly yes yes, I kept up with it, which is another thing. Never would have thought that I would have kept up with it. I right. thought I would have been like, ugh, whatever. But no, I love it. Yay. That's yeah. wonderful. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about catch and release because that <laughs> is your most recent it's yeah. out in stores it is oh my gosh I um I'm so I'm so honored by this whole job this whole journey like everyone is like they're so loving in this community and they lift everyone up and um catch and release it's it's inspired by uh, my husband's love of fishing he's a salmon fisherman like he's an I I explain how good he is he's an even better fisherman than I am a sewist like <gasps> phenomenal and we don't eat fish right it's so funny that he catches a bunch of fish and we give it away but um um, 
I wanted to like reconnect with him. So it was a way for me to like research what he loves, ask him questions, like really communicate with him. And then I go with him, but I like crochet or like, yeah. so, and then, then Helena comes and she plays and like helps reel it in. So it's become our like reprieve from the world where we don't get on our phones and we're really connected and do family stuff and slow down and enjoy what's around us and the time. It's really special. And I really feel that the collection captured it. There's 12 different prints. It's mainly blues. And um, the response to it has been wild. Like, so thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Oh, that's beautiful. I love the story behind it. And I love how personal it is to you. And you'll always see or be reminded of that whenever you see this print. And to know that every Everybody else is using it too. That's just, uh, that's such, it's gotta be a cool feeling. It's totally, it's totally mind blowing, honestly. Yeah. Cause it's like, um, part of my journey is, um, having my kid as my inspiration made me better. Before Helena was born, I was a horrible sewer. I couldn't sew to save my life. But with her, it like, it inspired me to new heights that I didn't mm-hmm. know I was capable of. And so each of my three collections so far, even my fourth one has had personal inspiration because I'm afraid not to, that I won't be as good. But um, I'm so excited that even though it's personal, people are identifying with them to want to use them. And so I'm like, oh, yay. It can be personal and cute. (laughs) Yep, yep. Yeah, hello. Absolutely. (laughs) And one other thing I saw recently is your quilted floor pillow that is coming out, or it's live now with Blueprint. Is that right? It is. That's such a cool concept. I've had, like, on my Ravelry page, I've had, like, a knitted floor pillow for a really long time, and I feel like it's never going to get done. But when you think of it in terms of, like, being sewn or quilted, then I think, like, oh, I could get my mind around that. Totally, man. It's manageable and like the top of it for that project is English paper piece but you don't have to English right. paper piece it you, it's really quick and um I made some for Helen a couple years ago that were smaller they're the most used like of my makes and I know that this one will be too um they're super cute and um everyone should make it <laughs> yeah so they would just have to go to blueprint and sign up there yep. too and yep. have access to the class yep. oh cool what was your experience like filming oh it was surreal and amazing it was it was fantastic like I had done modeling work and commercial work before so like I, I was comfortable on set but this it was it's so different because it's like it's talent based and uh-huh. everyone is so loving there and like I explained to them that their level of detail and professionalism and work ethic was higher than anything I ever experienced in Los Angeles like wow. it was it was phenomenal and anyone who's seen the video, because there's a video to the pattern, oh my gosh, like, I'm like, that is not me. That guy is cool. I'm not cool. <laughs> like, it's really good. Like, the quality of what they're putting out is um, spectacular. That's so great to know. Like, that's a that's such a great endorsement for just what they're doing there and, yep. and bringing more sewing and well, all sorts of crafts to all sorts of stuff. They have food, they have different crafts, different mediums. It's um, it's awesome. And and I like I wasn't quite sure about the rebranding whenever they went from crafty sure. to blueprint. Didn't know what was going to happen, right? But um, yep. it's clear that they had part of their mission and their rebranding was to like level up their production because mm-hmm. it's. It's like it's all phenomenal. Oh, so great and so cool to be have a part of that. Like, just oh to, my god, yeah. like me, I'm like, Woo! <laughs> and I get to go back. I'm going back in a couple, oh, fun. Like, in a month. I'm like, they already want me back. I'm like, oh yeah, hey, yeah. Well, is there? Anything else that you want to talk about or anything you're excited about coming up? Um, well, I have a, my fourth collection comes out in December. It's called Playroom. I Already? know. I, I know. And it's inspired by Helena's Playroom. 
it is kind of the opposite. And like, I don't like the gender stuff, but it's like, catch and release is like blues. So it's very like masculine. And then (laughs) playroom is like more dainty. It's like Mm -hmm. pinks and like lighter colors. And it's, I, I'm really excited to play in that, um, that space once I'm done with catch and release. So yeah, yeah, just come on and join the party at Mr. Domestic. It's a party everywhere. That's right. You're Mr. Domestic on all of the socials. On all of them. Yep. Okay. What's your favorite social media platform to hang out at? Oh, I like each one is so different. They have a different like value proposition, right? My, you, I love, really love YouTube. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm shocked at it. I was, I was the most scared because people can anonymously be like a troll. Yes. And um, that just, I, and I get the comments and I, they always make me laugh whenever I get something hateful. I'm like, whatever, if that made you feel better, I'm glad you did it. But I really love the cute, the community of YouTube. And I love the community that I've built in my Facebook group. Like, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I did that on a whim too. And I'm like, oh, this is lovely. I love it. But really all of them, you know, on Instagram all day, but they each, they each feed into something different. So it's, it's hard to separate, but definitely Facebook group, YouTube. Oh, it's a surprise for me. I thought you were going right? to say Instagram. Yeah. I know, right. You would think so, but no. Nope. Yeah. One last question. <laughs> Who's your favorite non-sewing, quilting, crafty follow on Instagram? Who do you like to follow that has nothing to do with the sewing world? Lisa Kong. Oh, she's that's a good one. I follow Hands her down. too. Yeah, like Great. her perspective is necessary. And yeah. I love what she's doing. I it's been it's been magical watching her grow and deservedly so. I think it's also because she's she's pretty much in alignment with like my values of like being joyful and positive, putting good energy. That's what she's about. And then she's Portland and I'm close yes. to Portland. So it's like, yeah, I just I dig her. I dig her. She's like way cooler than I am. And um I, I, I just lo- love her. I love that answer. Yeah. It happens to be because I, I love following her too. And yep. I love seeing women like she has really come into her own in sure uh, not I don't even want to say late in life, but yeah yeah, just to see her been, ramping been, up her career. It's later in life. It's it's not like she's like geriatric, which right? It, but she's um, it's definitely a midlife career shift that probably yeah. she didn't expect, and it's blossomed into something beautiful. Yeah, oh, I'm glad you said that. All oh, right. well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for being the best guest ever. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> So glad we could spend time together today and record. So um, thank you so much. Of course. I love you. I adore you. I love you too. I love that you had me on here. So thank you, Jess. Good luck with all this. Yeah, thanks. Wow. What a fun interview. Um, I'm just astounded at what Matthew is able to accomplish in addition to a full-time career that has nothing to do with quilting. I My full-time gig is definitely quilting, and I have trouble enough transitioning between one quilting task to the other, and I just am amazed by his ability to go from like one separate world to the other and um, do it with such excellence. So I'm, I'm so glad that he's in our community. Well, that concludes uh, my thoughts on this interview. I'm Jess, and you can find me on Instagram at threadedquilting. And until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Before we leave today, I wanted to quickly highlight a review of our podcast. Mander S. says, I am new to quilting and have been throwing myself into it, trying to learn everything I can. This podcast has been so helpful to listen to on my way to and from work. The topics are always interesting, and the host and guests always offer little tidbits and insight on the quilting world with new tips and tricks. 
I only wish they would put episodes out more often so I have more to listen to. Oh my gosh, thank you for that sweet review, Mander S. We really appreciate it. And if that's you, please reach out to us at apqpodcast at meredith.com so we can send you a little gift. And remember, if you love this podcast, please leave a review. We may feature yours on an upcoming show.